Good morning. <clears throat> it's good to pray together. I hope when, when we do our pastoral prayer that you stay engaged. We're going to be talking about prayer today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you claim to be one of his disciples, then God the Spirit is impressing on you the urgent need to pray. Praying reveals what we believe about ourselves. It reveals if we know our sinful bent. It reveals if we care to fight against sin in our evil ways. <clears throat> Prayer reveals if we understand our human limitations, how weak we are. Prayer, if we are praying, it reveals if we understand how desperate we are. For God's grace to help us, his shepherding grace to carry us along. Praying reveals what we believe about ourselves, but praying also reveals what we believe about God. It reveals if we believe God exists, if he's really there. It shows if we believe God hears us. Why would we pray if we didn't think he hears us? It reveals that we believe God cares. It reveals that we believe God has power to change the circumstances that we're in. Can God really bring peace to the world? Well, he will, but can he do it now? What do you think? Praying indicates if we're growing in our dependence on God and our trust in God. Lack of praying reveals that we are more self-sufficient than God-reliant. People of faith, we know we ought to pray. How were your prayers this morning? Oh, I don't want to put you on a guilt trip. But the Spirit urges us to pray. And if we're not praying, we are actually disobeying the Spirit of God. The Spirit urges us to pray so we can bring glory to God, so we can show others the goodness of God. We're going to jump to the, the book of Mark today, but in Mark's gospel, chapter 9, you can put a, keep a finger in Luke 9, but we're going to be mostly in Mark 9, so you can turn back a few pages to Mark chapter 9 today. The disciples failed to cast out the demon that filled this young boy. And they asked Jesus later in private, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but what? Prayer. Yeah. Jesus takes a ministry failure, and he turns it around into a teaching moment to help his disciples learn the importance of prayer in us too. So always keep on praying. That's the thought for today. Always Keep on praying. Jesus prayed. Luke highlights Jesus' prayer life. It was a consistent pattern, and it's a pattern we are to follow. Luke highlights that more than any other gospel writer, the other writers of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John, talked about Jesus' praying. But Luke really highlights that early in his ministry, before Jesus was baptized, he was praying. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was about to, was in the wilderness and being driven into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, Jesus was praying. Before he chose the 12 disciples, Jesus 
was praying. Here in chapter 9, we see Jesus was praying on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was alone praying when that event happened. In, in chapter, or verse 28 of this chapter, Luke chapter 28, and when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him, why could we not cast it out? Because you weren't praying. Jesus was always praying. Why doesn't, but it's interesting to me, Luke does not mention Jesus talking about you failed because you didn't pray. Matthew talks about it. As a matter of fact, Matthew connects faith and praying together really well. He was explaining uh, why they hadn't been able to do it. If you had the faith of a mustard seed, now mustard seeds are pretty small, okay? I used to have one in a tie clip when I was a little kid. Okay? There was a little mustard seed in there. It was a reminder about how to pray. If you had the faith of a tiny mustard seed, Jesus said, you could ask this mountain to be thrown into the sea and it would happen. If that's what God wanted to happen and you prayed it, it would happen. If you had the faith of a mustard seed, that would happen. Mark connects it too. He explains it was a lack of prayer. And that's why the disciples failed to deliver this boy from the demon. So what's Luke up to? Luke, of all people, why doesn't he highlight prayer? Because the other important point he wants to make is this, how glorious Jesus is. Remember last week we were looking at that? Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, and God the Father spoke and said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. The crowds weren't really getting it. The disciples were kind of not getting it either. <laughs> the crowds were asleep, so to speak. The disciples were napping. They weren't understanding who Jesus was. And, and we're going to see in Luke that they had a lot more to learn. And in the rest of Luke chapter 9, next week, there's a lot of lessons that Jesus wanted to teach his disciples. But today, after that introduction, I just want us to turn our attention to Mark's gospel. If Jesus, the Son of God, was dependent on the Father and he was dependent through praying, he found strength through prayer because in his humility as God the Son, always God, but also fully man, he was dependent on his Father, he prayed. What does that say for us? Jesus said some very harsh words. Let me just real briefly read some of Luke's account. Luke chapter 9, verse 14. They're coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And when they had come to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and, and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw Jesus, they were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he was a, has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. So Jesus rebukes a faithless 
generation. The disciples, they were lacking faith. They had successfully cast out demons before. We can read about that in the Gospels. They had successfully cast out demons before. So why did they fail this time? Well, you know what's being implied? They weren't praying. They weren't God-dependent. They were becoming dependent, self-reliant followers of Christ. I've done this before. We can handle it. We know what we're doing. Jesus gave us authority to do this, but they weren't asking God. Strong language, faithless. No faith? Faithless generation? Faithless, and Luke says, twisted generation. What does that mean? Twisted generation. Perverting the truth. Subverting the truth. Twisting the truth to make truth say what we want. Takes us back to Romans chapter 1 again, where Paul wrote, claiming to be wise, we became fools. We exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Unbelievers do that. The crowds really didn't have faith in Jesus. They were just looking for another miracle. How many miracles do you have to see before you believe Jesus is really who he says he was? Well, yeah, one more. <laughs> How many times has God taken care of us? And yet tomorrow we doubt that he cares. Oh, faithless generation. The father lacked faith. Now, I have to say, this father came. He was looking for help from Jesus. He was looking in the right place. I love what, what he says, Mark records here. I believe, he said... Help my unbelief. Just a few pages earlier, in earlier chapters, do you remember the centurion's faith? He came to Jesus and said, one of my servants is really sick, but you don't even need to come to my house. Just say the word, and I know he can be healed. And Jesus said, I've never seen so much faith in all of Israel. Wow. A Gentile was believing more than a chosen people. They had become self-reliant in their traditions and what they knew instead of in their God and their Savior. Why do we doubt Jesus' power and his mercy to intervene on our behalf? We don't pray. Look at verse 41 of Mark chapter 9. Um, he said, excuse me, I'm in Mark. I got my Luke and Mark twisted. Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bringing, bring him to me. It almost sounds like Jesus is done with them, doesn't it? It's like, I'm tired of you. I'm done with you. I'm out of here. <laughs> but he wasn't done with them. He was still going to the cross to die for the world's sins. He was on his way there, and he was not going to turn back. He wasn't giving up on his disciples either. He was teaching them about prayer and other important lessons. And we're going to see that in Luke chapter 9 next week. Here he is. He's teaching about prayer. 
We're so much like the disciples. We're so dull. I'm so dull. I become complacent. I become self-dependent. We lack understanding. But you know what's really good news? (laughs) Be of good cheer. Your Savior is faithful, and he began a good work in you, and he will finish the process. Jesus loves his children, so he never gives up on them. He disciplines them. He corrects them. Like a loving father corrects his sons and his daughters, Jesus never quits on us or abandons us. He doesn't really leave us. As it says in Philippians 1, he who began a good work in you, his good work is to make us holy. (laughs) He's going to bring it to completion when Jesus returns or we go home to heaven. When God's kingdom comes to earth, it's going to be completed. Philippians 1, verse 6. He will complete it. So there's no boasting on my part. Nothing for me to brag about. Look how good I am. Or It's God's grace at work. He's the one that takes away my sin. He's the one that begins the process of changing me and making me want to obey and follow him. So Jesus is the everlasting son of God. And he humbled himself and took on a human body so that he could experience all life's battles just the way you and I experience those battles. What battles did you face this week? Was it a temptation? Was it loneliness or depression or sadness? Did I say anger? Fearful. He felt all those emotions. He experienced all the things that could come at you in the world, yet he was sinless. He was God, God the Father dependent, and he's teaching us to do the same. He's made a way because he's a victorious Savior for us to tap into God's strength so that we get stronger and don't waver. He prayed, and we have to learn to pray too. Our circumstances demand that we learn to pray. This kind, this kind of demon cannot be driven out by anything but prayer, Jesus said in Mark 9, 29. We are in a spiritual warfare battle. You may not be aware of it. There are days we get up and live and we forget that we're in a spiritual battle. What is spiritual warfare? In Ephesians chapter 6, I invite you to turn there. It's a familiar passage to many of us. But Paul the Apostle wrote this, starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be God dependent. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And then Paul lists the spiritual armor that we have. The belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness that God gives us, shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith to extinguish Satan's darts that would take us down, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. There's this unseen battle going on against God and God's people, those who would want to do God's work and will through the, their faith and love of Christ. They're working against us. And you've got to be prepared for the battle. You're in the battle whether you know it or not, whether you're aware of it or not. If you take time to think about it, you are in the battle if you are a follower of Christ. And he's asking you to be prepared to do battle. We need to be God-dependent, not self-dependent. And that's the work of prayer. Praying is really hard. Why is prayer so hard? Because I get distracted. Because my phone just dinged. Because I have other things to do on my list to do today. hard work to stay focused and to pray for other people and the world so many problems and then I got my own issues and I got family issues God provides the resources we need to overcome the schemes of the devil are you aware of what they are Oh, by the way, don't blame everything on the devil. <laughs> Years ago, John MacArthur, I remember he was kind of being facetious, but he said, the demon of post-nasal drip. Okay, like people were looking to blame, you know, all our ills. Sometimes it's right here from my own heart, my own sin nature, my own will going against God's will. It's me wrestling against God. It's not always the devil making us do it. We have a part in the unholy and evil that takes place in the world. But we are not helpless. The devil, Satan, is not some unbeatable Goliath. Jesus has crushed his head on the cross. He's defeated. He's only fighting for a little while longer. He knows his end is doom. It's sure we can have victory over him. And God does not hoard his resources. In 2 Peter, listen to what it says. Chapter 1, 2 Peter 1, verse 3. His divine nature, that is God, his divine power, excuse me, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, that is Jesus, who called us to his own glory and excellence for this reason. So we have everything we need, but then we have responsibility. Peter goes on to say, for this reason, make every effort to supplement to your faith virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and to add to all these things. So God provides it. We need to work at adding to it. God does not hoard his resources. I'm not going to give it to you today. You, you need to be better, and then I'll give it to you. That's not how God works. If you are in Christ and you have all the resources, you and I have everything we need to move toward godliness. It comes to us by faith, by believing and trusting in God 
and then surrendering to his will and obedience. There's another beautiful picture in John chapter 15. Many of you are familiar with it, the vine and the branches. Listen to what Jesus says, because this is connected with faith, believing, abiding, walking with Christ, and prayer. I'm the true vine, Jesus says, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, he disciplines, he corrects, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Listen to the promise of verse 7. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. How can that be? Ask whatever you wish. Well, when you're abiding in Christ, when you're in step with your Savior's heart, his passions, his will, then you will be asking for what he desires. And his will will be done. Each new day in my life demands that I lean hard on God for strength to do his will well. And there are days when I fail miserably. How about you? I forget. I've been there, done that. I have my own list of things to do. I forget that I am God-dependent, reliant on him and not my own strength, that I can't do it on my own, that there's an enemy going against me, the world, my own flesh, and the devil. They're after us. They're, they're trying to pull us away. We, we, we like to go astray. Let's admit it. But Jesus is there, ready to help us to get our hearts in tune with God. It's a growing process. So learn to pray. Go to Scripture and learn to pray. Daryl Bach, he's, if you haven't gotten it by now, he's one of the commentaries that I use, one of several. I love his quote. To fail to draw on God's spiritual resources is spiritual neglect like trying to use a bicycle to cross, go cross-country when a jet plane's available. Why do we use the bike when God provides us with a jet? You know what the answer is to that? Self-reliance, human pride, human-centered thinking, thinking I can handle this on my own, self-sufficiency instead of being God-centered and God-reliant. It's really idolatry when I think I can do it on my own. I'm worshiping another God. Know your weaknesses. Admit them. Admit your weaknesses to yourself. Admit your weaknesses to one another. 
I love the disciples because I'm just like them. <laughs> I need so much help. In Luke chapter 22, Peter just made the boast, I'll die for you, Jesus. Everyone else can fall away, but I'll die for you. And here's what Jesus said. Take comfort in this. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times, three times that you know me. <laughs> Peter, self-reliant, he was trusting in Jesus, but mostly trusting in himself. He didn't know how weak he was. And he got overwhelmed by his humanity. You ever get overwhelmed by yourself? <laughs> your physical weakness, your mental weakness, your spiritual weakness. I've walked this path so many times, but take comfort in this believer. Jesus stands with you. He never gives up on you. He's overcome evil, and he will help us to overcome evil, but we need to learn to be God-dependent, to always keep on praying. See to it, Colossians 2, verse 8 tells us, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So be a student of the Word of God. Study it yourself. Study it with other people. And pray before you study it so that you're seeking to know God's will and to follow it. Grace Chapel family, we have so many ministry opportunities happening right now among us. We don't know what to do. There's so many things coming at us. How do you sort it out? What's the answer? How do we sort it out? Yeah. Asking God to steer us, to guide us, because we're weak and we don't know what to do. What's our mission? David and I did not talk about this, but he already mentioned it. What, what's our mission? To make disciples who know, love, and serve God together, wherever we are, in all contexts of life. That's our mission. That's what we want to try to achieve here as a body of people. Of, a body of people. It's to be kind to people, gracious to people, to speak the truth to people, to be patient with people because we want them to know Christ and his gospel of salvation, the hope that he gives. Psalm 143, I was reading a book <laughs> and it came upon, somebody said these verses and, and I've highlighted them now. I've read them before, but I never highlighted them. Listen to this prayer and make it your own. Make Psalm 143 a prayer that you use, the scriptures to guide your prayer. It was David praying. Here's what he said in these three verses. It's only 12 verses, so it's an easy read, an easy prayer. 
Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. Remind me that you love me, God, for I, in you I trust. Let me hear that, Lord, that you love me. Maybe you need to be reminded about that today. Make me know the way I should go for to you to lift up my soul. Lord, guide me today. I don't know what's ahead. I'm afraid of what's ahead. But Lord, I ask you to make me know the way I should go. What a great way to pray. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I bet you you could use that today. Maybe there's somebody at work or school or in the neighborhood or, or there's these... I'll call them demons, voices in your head that are always pulling you away the way you think, and you want, you want your enemy to stop hounding you. Lord, deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Lead us to level ground, Lord. Life is such a churn. Lead me to level ground. Jesus prayed so that we would know and do God the Father's will. It's a pattern for us to follow. There's a spiritual battle for your mind going on, your heart, your soul. Our human weaknesses keep demanding that we go this way. We need to be prayerfully dependent that we follow Christ, that we trust in him, that we lay our, our issues before Christ. We have a position. You're a child of God if you're a follower of Christ. You've been given resources to lead you to higher places, better places to be doing God's will. Who else can pray? If not God's people, who else has an audience with the God of heaven? It's only people who are seeking God. There's a famous scripture verse that we, at least the American church, likes to use. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It's misapplied all the time. But we can apply it to our situation. Listen to what it says. 2 Chronicles 7, verses 13 through 16. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. The context is the nation of Israel. They had a land that they were supposed to live in. And when they disobeyed God after a long time because God's patient and he scattered them, God said, if you turn back to me, I'll bring you back. I'll heal your land. I'll make you prosperous again. The promised land will really be a promised land. Well, we can't really apply that to the United States. We're not the promised land, in case you didn't know that. And your homeland, because not everyone's a citizen of the United States originally anyway, your homeland is not the promised land. That, that, that prom those promises kind of directly applied to the nation of Israel, the God's chosen people. But, <laughs> as a matter of fact, 
Where is the church's land? Not Grace Chapel. We own a little bit of a corner. Where's our land? Yeah, but right now, the world. We have authority to take Jesus' name everywhere in the world. To make little parts of the kingdom wherever we are and go. But anyway, we can apply this because we go astray like the people of Israel went astray. You know, James echoes this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Clean your hands. Purify your hearts. Repent. Turn back to God, basically is what he's saying. Humble yourselves before the Lord and what will he do? He will lift you up. He's not here to bring us down if we turn to him. He's here to raise us up. That's why David prayed, clean, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me because I, my heart, your heart needs cleansing because we are waving uh, up and down and we're not steadfast in our faith. God, move me towards your ideas. Move me towards your holiness. Allow God the Spirit to reveal the sins in my heart that I overlook. And when my loving wife points them out, I ignore or I resist. Or our best friend, right? Or whoever. Lord, reveal it to me. James tells us, in James 5, 16, that the prayer of a righteous man, righteous person, is powerful. So who's righteous? Nobody. Romans tells us that there's no one righteous, no one sinless, no one who seeks after God. So how can anyone pray powerfully? Because Jesus is the righteous one. 1 John chapter 2, and he prays for us. He's our advocate. And if you are in Christ through faith, then you are made righteous. He gives you his righteousness. For our sake, he, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So if you are a believer in Christ today, then you have been made righteous and you have the power and the right to pray powerfully when you abide and obey and turn and follow Christ and trust in him. Kind of all goes together. Would you like to see righteousness prevail in your neighborhood? How about your home? How about Havertown or Drexel Hill or Upper Darby or Broomall or Ardmore? You, you get the idea. How about our nation? Well, goodness and righteousness come from God. And God's grace bears much fruit in places as he wills it, but it generally happens when God's people's hearts are turned to Christ in belief. They clean their hands, quit doing bad things. They clean their, their hearts. They purify themselves through faith in Christ. When they earnestly seek God and his will to be done on earth.
hey, parents, are you concerned about what's going on in school or on, the, on your kids' phones or just around them? <laughs> you better be. <laughs> so pray. Pray for God to break through with his grace and mercy and his truth. Pray it by yourself, but gather with other parents and pray for that school where your kids go. Or pray for your friends when they go to this school and maybe you're homeschooled or whatever. Hey, by the way, teenagers, you know you should get together to pray for God to get into your school, to pray for one another, because you guys know secrets that you don't share with your parents or us grown-ups. You know, you guys know what's going on in your lives, and you ought to pray for one another. You have a responsibility to pray for one another, not just grown-ups praying for you, but you praying for us. Prayer is a key tool in our toolbox. Followers of Christ, we are not powerless. We can ask God to go ahead of us to our schools, our workplaces, the playgrounds, the playing fields, to guard our hearts, our attitudes, how we think, our speech, our actions, to be lights. I close with this thought. Hear what Paul urges people to pray in Ephesians chapter 6. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Always keep on praying. Let's pray together. God of heaven, only you are righteous and holy and good. And we fall so short. We are sinful. We, we, we doubt. Our only hope is in you, Lord Jesus, our Savior, the risen Lord. We trust in you for forgiveness today. We, we ask you to teach us how to love and abide with you more and more. And Lord, teach, teach me to pray. Teach us to pray. To use this resource to be a blessing to our world. Teach us to love you and your word so we gladly obey it. Lord, we ask you to do this for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.